here on this Friday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick network. That includes the YouTube channel. Search out Outkick. We hope you subscribe there. You can check out everything live or on demand whenever you so choose. We just hope you'll subscribe and pound the like button. And, uh, of course, ring that bell. That way you're alerted every time we go live each and each weekday afternoon starting at 3 o'clock Eastern. Chad, uh, we had Brett McMurphy on earlier who uh, discussed the movement in college football and really just college athletics in general with uh, the conference realignment that has happened yet again, Colorado to the Big 12. Big 12 is not done. He's pointing to Arizona, Arizona State, or Utah that will be next up, and that Arizona is further along in that process with the Big 12 than the other two schools are, at least currently. Um, if you're the Pac-12, hearing this, knowing that you're holding calls with the presidents and chancellors after word gets out that Colorado's bolting and that a vote's taking place with the Big 12 with their presidents and chancellors, unanimous support for Colorado. If you're the Pac-12 and you've been listening to Clay Avakov discuss how the media rights deal and the grant of rights and everything else that's been talked about, ballied back and forth, and they're to a point where they haven't been shown the numbers. The reports are that they're patiently waiting. You run out of patience like Colorado did, and you take the 31.2 or whatever it might be from uh, the Big 12 and stability. If the Pac-12 can't keep Colorado in the Pac-12, why should any of the other schools wait to join up with another conference at this point? McMurphy's saying, well, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, they, they're just not ready to go to the Big 12 yet. Well, they should also have you know, the common sense to know they're not Oregon or Washington and how they're viewed either. If you're telling me that Oregon and Washington is waiting on the Big Ten, they're going to wait as long as it takes. Okay, fine. That makes sense. But Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah make sense for the Big 12. And based on the, the decision that was made and Colorado being fed up with waiting, they're bolting. Why haven't we seen more do it to this point? Why wait? And if you're Klavikov, what do you do to keep things together at this point if you don't have the media rights deal that you're pointing to that's going to be on par with the Big 12 and the ACC? I think the, the why is Colorado has more motivation to get back to the Big 12 geographically, but also the powers that be at Colorado, maybe they just don't believe Klyavikov because he has played this stall game and hasn't given full details and continues to hint about a media deal that will be on par with Big 12 and ACC without doing what Jerry Maguire screamed to show people the money. He's not showing anyone the money right now. So Colorado, a little bit more motivation and uh, ease to get back into the Big 12. Those other schools probably still want to stay in the Pac-12 if all things are close to equal. So they're willing to wait it out to actually see a media deal or find out what's happening there before making their decision. It also says a lot about where those other schools are in regards to believing Klyavikov. And I think Klyavikov and the Pac-12 and all of this has shown a lot of arrogance. And we got to go back a little bit for this. 25 months ago, when the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, 
the Big 12 came hat in hand to the Pac-12 and said, if you don't believe this can happen to you as well, just wait, it will. The only way we can assure our strength is to combine forces and merge and form one giant super conference that will compete with the Big Ten and SEC, not just on the field, but in the boardroom when we're negotiating media deals. We are stronger together. And the Pac-12's response to that was, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. That's a you problem. You guys are the butt of the jokes. You guys are the ones that just lost your crown princes of Texas and Oklahoma to the big bad SEC. We're fine. What happened a few months later? USC gone. UCLA gone to the Big Ten. Pac-12, media deal expiring. Can't seem to find the right one moving forward. Now we're in a situation where this week they lose Colorado. And they had a chance to save it all, but they were arrogant. And that release they put out yesterday was arrogant. Nobody cares about your academically like-minded, world-leading institutions right now. I don't want to be crass about education or say that good schools don't matter. They matter. But you know where they don't matter right now? In a media rights deal when you're losing affiliates, losing members to other conferences because you can't close the deal. Pac-12 is losing because of arrogance. Is it arrogance or just stupidity? Because, okay, uh, did they not see USC and UCLA coming whenever the Big 12 had just lost Texas and Oklahoma and you saw what could happen in pairs and... They're bolting for the SEC the same way UC, USC and UCLA left for the, the Big Ten. And then you think about what just happened with Colorado. How did they not see this coming? Writing was on the wall. And they turn down, they turn away behind closed doors, San Diego State, where they're releasing things. You have players that say they were told they were joining the Pac-12 and a year later it's not happening. So they didn't plan in that regard. And now they're talking about expansion. Now they talk about expansion when Colorado leaves for Big 12 expansion. It's all reactionary, and it's all, uh, to me, every comment that is made from their office is fluff and fake. Because the schools play into this too, by and large. Oregon State, it's by no surprise, Oregon State University is with uh, the... They, they released a statement with the Pac-12 members in reaffirming our commitment to the long-term strength and vitality, uh, uh, vitality of the conference. Because um, no one's after them. Exactly. No one's after them. So that their only hope is that they believe in this statement. Um, I was really dedicated to the long-term commitment with my prom date junior year because I had no other options to go to the prom. That was the best I could do. And I just want to put in writing that to, I mean, to that young woman, I'm very, very committed to us going to the prom together simply because I had no better options. That, that in summary, is what Oregon State is saying. It's e easy to put out a statement like that when and, you've got no better options. And with this statement, they have Scott Barnes, their athletic director. Again, Oregon State, not Oregon, putting out this statement that, that tells us they have no idea about the media deal. The school and the program trusts that the Pac-12 will secure a media rights deal that will strongly benefit the institutions that are remaining loyal to this conference. All of us at Oregon State will continue to work hard and diligently continue the long-term membership 
and success of our athletic department at a national level. Um, trusting at this point, I mean, at this point, you just have to trust that Klavikov's going to tell you what, what offers are out there because they haven't seen any of the numbers. It's just, it's arrogance, but it's also just, you know, lipstick on a pig. It's trying to stay afloat by keeping everyone happy and then changing the topic and then coming back full circle with the same topic a few months from now uh, where you're still talking about your media rights deal that nothing has, has actually developed with. It's bizarre, and it was already in a bad spot prior to their new commissioner taking over. And now they're left, the member schools can only hope. It's not trust, it's hope that they're going to have something good. Otherwise, I mean, why, not, why not leave now if you, if you have something that you can tangibly see and join that is afloat? It doesn't, it, it do, it, maybe it's not a long term. I, I tell you what, it, they're, the Big 12 surviving longer than the Pac-12. Yeah, and this may change, Hutton, but two supposed visionaries outside the box hires. Klyavikov coming from sports books and resorts, and Brett Yormark coming from Pro Sports, Rock Nation yep. with Jay Z. Who's winning right now with those two hires? Well, the one's leading and one's not. It's your mark. Yeah, yeah. One's leading and one's not. And that, that's what it comes down to. One, one, I fear, one though, that one panic. right now is he had, the, he had the chance, the opportunity to see the future and say, yes, they're reeling right now and they're coming to us and we are in a position of power, but this is what makes sense for both sides and the future of what we need to do and we know is going to happen. And he didn't take that opportunity because he was that time in a better spot because the Big 12 just lost Texas and Oklahoma. The other guys now, they've been plotting since that point, I'm sure, and they have the upper hand at this, at this point. So how are they going to use it? And how they want to use it is to add one more Pac-12 school. Or potentially three. Yeah. Chad, Ryan Day in, infuriating uh, college football fans by suggesting that the, the game Ohio State, Michigan could be moving to a different time on the schedule. And, and he says it's worth a long discussion in regards to when that game is played and why. I love the fact. What's the issue with it? Like, what is his? I saw this and I'm thinking, what, why would he want it moved? I think it's just based on their schedule at the time and uh, the time of year that it's played and how detrimental it is to the you know, if you lose that game, you're done. Well, they lost that sides. game. I mean, they lost the game, and they went and should have won the national title against Georgia. Yeah, but they, with, they weren't with done. the with the conference. Uh, excuse me, with the college football playoff expansion too. They're they're both getting in. Yeah, it's just stupid. Uh, Harbaugh, who's not always the brightest, but came out and said, "We'll play the game whenever it's scheduled." Harbaugh, but it is a big part of the Thanksgiving tradition, is how he phrased it with Ohio State, Michigan. He's right. Harbaugh that, that is, is part of the weekend is 11 a.m. You have Ohio State, Michigan to look forward to on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Harbaugh, I, I thought, handled everything perfectly at the podium this week. He, uh, he, he said a, in a roundabout way, I want to say something, but I can't. I want to tell you how I feel, but I'm not going to about the, the four-game negotiation, quote-unquote, with the NCAA. So the reports are, 
he, he said he doesn't remember whether or not it, during the, the COVID year, if he paid it, for lunch, paid for a hamburger is what it was. And while we can certainly compare it to Bruce Pearl and the barbecue, it's this rule where did I buy a hamburger or not for a recruit? That's I mean, and, and he's also standing by the fact that he didn't directly lie. He's saying that he didn't remember, which again, deny, deny, deny. And eventually it goes away. But in this case, it's a four-game suspension for some games that they're going to win, uh, even if, if he wasn't wearing a headset that day. Point being, you go back to the, the, the uh, Sean Payton's going to be more reserved, and uh, he's going to think about what he says before actually saying it. Harbaugh did it on the podium at Big Ten Media Days about the NCAA. If he's speaking his mind, he's like, yeah, we, we bought a hamburger. Look around the, the landscape of college football right now. We bought a hamburger for recruits. Yeah, it's dumb. But this has always been dumb. And the one thing that the NCAA has been consistent on typically is you cannot lie to us. If he just admitted to that minor violation, it would have been nothing. But the fact that they have the receipt – and they know who paid for it, and they feel like he's lying about the, it. Not, they, he wasn't helpful. He was... Yes, he's being combative, all those things. Then you're going to get railroaded on it, but is he getting railroaded on it? The, the toughest of the four games is Rutgers, of the four-game suspension. And I saw some of this stuff from, from Michigan beat writers that are comparing it to Tennessee. And saying Tennessee had more than 100 violations or 200 violations, and this, and, and this guy lied about a hamburger. And I had to respond and say, oh, how we forget history. Because Bruce Pearl at Tennessee lied about a barbecue that happened two weeks too early. And he got three years, show cause. And then a half an SEC season suspension when he was eventually hired. So things have changed. Is the NCAA ridiculous about this? Yes. But let's not act like, Jim Harbaugh is facing some enormous problem moving forward. No, well, no, it's not enormous, but I think it's just, he's certainly on principle, you know, and I, I wish he would have called them out at that point. But he, imagine having to negotiate a suspension that, that, that the governing body is coming to the coach to negotiate a, a suspension over a hamburger. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. Meanwhile, you know, you've got, uh, multiple violations going on in different programs well, and bigger issues. It, yeah, and he, had, he has bigger issues, too. I mean, this is not the only thing they're accused of. They, they were oh. illegally having workouts. That's been happening before. They've gone over the hour count for the week. They've zoomed in on workouts or, or whatever. Again, I don't care. But Jim Harbaugh has done more than than just that. Well, so is the, the four so, game suspension isn't. I would say a lot much. of the programs who won were doing similar things. I will always fall back on this. Jeremy Pruitt worked longer at Alabama than Tennessee. Where's the Alabama issues? Right. It doesn't happen because of Nick Saban, and right. because Nick Saban buttons everything up and he knows how to work it. And Nick Saban is respected by the NCAA and pretty much everyone else. When you are someone that is not respected and you do something stupid, they will find you. 
But when you get on the right side of that, the NCAA, the media, anything, you're mostly protected. Mostly. When you win. Now, Jim Harbaugh is one of the maybe outliers here because he has won recently. And some would argue he's on the wrong side of it. I, I think he's still he's fine. pretty much on the right side of it. He's going to be fine. He's fine. Ryan Day's trying to move the yeah, game. Ryan Day's trying to you know have a September outing against Michigan now for some reason. Coming up. He's shook. Gun Show. Mike Gunzelman joins us. That's next right here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody is where you can find Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network rolls on. Outkick.com is where you can find the gun show. Mike Gunzelman joins us in studio yo, yo. as we get to the weekend. Good to see you. What's up, fellas? Let's go. Definitely feels like a weekend, it's, right? It is a, the weekend's about to officially about begin minutes. in about 40 minutes, my friend. Right. You're yeah. going to a Jimmy Eat World concert. Oh, yeah. It's just like every other weekend for guns. I've it's always something. Jimmy Eat World tonight, but although I was telling you guys, 50 Cent is at Bridgestone. Uh, you know when something is so random that you're like, you know what, I kind of want to go see. It's like, when would I ever, ever see Fiddy in my life, right? And you said Ludacris also? Yeah, like it's a stacked lineup. It's just him with like these old rappers. Love like, it. Busta Rhymes? Busta. Busta Rhymes? Oh, I might have to. Woo-ha, got you all in check? That Busta Rhymes? <laughs> Put He's your hands where my eyes can yeah. see. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. What are we doing, guys? Yeah, like, what are you got? Let's sign yeah. up. This show's over now. Let's Is go Carson get ready Daly for Daly going to be there yeah. as well, the host? Yeah. <laughs> love, uh, Ed love Lover that. from Yo! MTV Raps. Is, is he still uh, around? Bill Bellamy. Bill right? Bellamy. Bill Bellamy <laughs> played a wide receiver on any given Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He wow. was on the roster with LL Cool J, yep. with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Happy to hear Jamie Foxx is doing well, by the way. Where are Let's you uh, in there. Where do you rank... Uh, any given Sunday as far as a sports movie goes? That's a great question. I don't think about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good movie. It's a good one, right? But it's like when I think, when you say best sports movie, it's like in the teens on my list well, right. until I get to something. I don't even know about the ranking. Here's how I would rank. It's either would I stop and watch it again? Is it a must watch when I flip by it or is it not? As right. a sports fan, looking at a sports movie. So, you know, if Remember the Titans is on, I'm going to watch and see where it is in the movie. Yeah. Hoosiers, same thing, right? Uh, Major League. I, yes. Yes, yeah. Sandlot. I'm not necessarily stopping on any given Sunday. Rudy. Oh, Rudy. I, I almost had that Rudy, yeah. Yeah. memorized. But, but the thing is, any given Sunday is one of those that's kind of like, when it's on, it's just like, like we all just chuckled about it. Like, huh. Like, so I actually yeah. might stop to see it because I haven't seen it in a minute. Like, Rudy will be on, like, TNT, like, once a month or something, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Which, they hit me, like, on the starting end for Purdue. That's the Rudy line that always gets me going. Five foot nothing. Guy. A yeah. hundred and nothing. Let's go. I love when he's mad at the guy for taking it easy on him in <laughs> yeah. practice. Come on. Well, he's in his face, the big <laughs> offensive You exactly. treat me like I'm the starting defensive end for Purdue. And he's in his face looking up at him. That's one of my favorite scenes What's ever. What's great about that is many people forget that Sean Astin uh, uh, is also the dude from the Goonies. Oh, yeah. He's Mikey Sean Astin, great, uh, great child actor in more than just the Goonies. Wasn't he in? You interviewed him. Yeah, I've interviewed Sean Astin. Wasn't he also in um, Lost Boys? Or am I thinking just the Corys? One of the Corey Haynes? One of the Haynes Feldman type vibes. Yeah. Lord of the Corey Rings. Corey Feldman was also, yeah. Yeah, and then he, yeah. Yeah. 
I think all the Corys were in that one. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is uh, his best work. Yeah, he's yeah played a good. Was he a Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they all? Yeah, I, I think he was a Hobbit. That are talking trees or wizards. I've seen all of them, and that's that's my extent of my knowledge. That is of, one that uh, I do not stop on. With in the that Shire, song. he lived Toy- in the Shire of Toykin's work. My knowledge is. Oh, he's a Hobbit, right? That guy's a Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, how how was Blink One Eighty Two? The concert itself, Blink, we uh, was an absolute blast. They played here at Bridgestone a couple weeks ago. My man. Chad was with me. Got I was. To, got yeah. to have some beverages before. They absolutely crushed it. It was a packed audience, live industry there. It was fun. It was very entertaining. It was awesome. Uh, first time all three members are back together in over eight years because they went on a little bit of a hiatus, a little break. The one guy, Tom DeLonge, had to go find aliens, which, by the way, I have been going off about this. Did he find them? Oh, they are real. Do you know? I tweeted out a clip, and uh, see Clay retweeted it as well. Are Do they you- just like the drawings from everyone when they <laughs> spot one? I, I I talk about burying the lead here. Do you do I sat and watched this testimony? They're like they're like yeah, we found they call them bio something like the uh, and that biologics. Yeah, the biologics, which is whatever. But like, like we Scientology. we have them. It's like yeah. it's like they're in like a vault somewhere, Fatons. and everyone's just like, oh, it's yeah. all good. Let, let's go talk about Barbie. Show us the aliens. Like, <laughs> this is my whole thing with all all of this. Well, where's the follow up? Yeah. Show us the aliens. There's two guys. Oh, they're hidden. Oh, I mean, they sound. They did. They sound legit. The way they're explaining it, sure. and they yeah. they didn't sound completely insane. But I'm also. Where's the backup? Where's the intelligence community? <laughs> Is anyone else going to speak up? Right. Is someone going to take a? You know, we all have phones. Can someone take a photo of this yeah, the alien? I, the that I, we've the first iPhone gun came out in us? 2007. It is 2023, and I've yet to have a clear picture of a UFO <laughs> or an alien. <laughs> it's amazing. They can do everything else, but I we mean, haven't yeah. found that. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's. I'd love to see it. Next time you're uh, looking up at the sky here in Nashville or in New York, I, I would love to see a UFO it. sighting <laughs> at a big city where everyone resides instead of out, out in the middle of a cabin uh, in the forest. Uh, with two people. It's funny, how, it's funny how that always happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Sasquatch as well. <laughs> so you recreated Blink-182's first date? Can you explain? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So how about this? I found a resurfaced video. Speaking the of first MTV, time huh? I was ever on Is this television. as good as your Good Morning America this shot? Is, this Avril is that Levine? same era, the Avril Lavigne Blink thing. So I was a huge Blink-182 fan, all right? I'm 15 years old, and I see that there's a casting call for a show called Becoming. And you were supposed to become the artist. So there was like Kid Rock and Fred Durst and, and like uh, Backstreet Boys. And there was one for Blink. So I go, Mom, can we, uh, can we go in? And she goes, no. And then she, I was like, I was really persistent because I was a huge Blink fan. And so she drove me in on a Saturday morning for an open casting call to become Blink-182. I show up. I got the dicky shorts. I bring How my, old are you again? I'm 15 years 15, old. Okay. All right? I'm going into sophomore year of high school. Uh, I bring my guitar with me. There's 350 people there. I ended up winning. I became one of the groups, and then it became a whole like two month process of like going in. Like they gave me a lip ring. We did like the airbrush tattoos. We went in for wardrobe. We were with Matt Pinfield. He was did a full day rehearsals with Matt Pinfield. All in for a live show. You went on Love Line. Love I love that we talked about Bill Bellamy, Ed Lover, and oh, Matt Pinfield. Look at this. Live show. I won, and then I recreated the first date video. That's me up there. Let's go. <laughs> This is well awesome. The fake mustache. <laughs> the whole deal. If that was a real mustache at 15, I would give you massive props. Uh, that, yeah. If you could grow that Definitely type fake. of stash. I crushed it. Half the audience was people that skipped high school that day, and they were, came in, and it was so much fun. And that kind of launched my career. Like, a lot of those people, the casting people, were, were freelance. And then they started, like, Much Music and Fuse. 
and that's how I started doing more on-air TV stuff, all from that thing where I'm recreating Tom DeLonge from Blink. This was uh, the genesis of guns, is what we just witnessed, was him with a fake stash oh, God. on this MTV show Becoming, where he was pretending to be Blink-182. Look they how into it these fake ring. fans are. <laughs> They it's gave so hold on. Dude. They gave you a lip ring as part of it. Yeah, I got. I got. I was in Catholic school. I had to get permission because you can't have that. Can't have any earrings or anything in Catholic school. So I got. Did you got, take it yeah. out to go to Catholic school? Well, I was able to keep it in because it would have closed. But yeah, I had to get permission for it. All that thing. And I was 15 years old. Everybody else is 18 plus. What was your you know? mom's response to this? Uh, it's mortified. Yeah, yeah. she was like she. Had, she definitely did not think I was going to win. But I show up, and I always. It's funny because I didn't have any TV training. I didn't have anything. But I always say this when people like go for uh, like, "Hey, Guns, do you have any advice about like doing on air stuff or whatever for career?" And I, I go always go the extra mile. So when I showed up, I brought a guitar. I wore his hat. I wore his. You know, I like I went full on. So they were like, "This kid rules. We don't care. He's 15. They're like that's awesome." You're still basically the same size. Yeah, too. you never. Thanks. <laughs> lucky. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to be the judge. Our audience will have to be the judge. Oh, but lucky man. you. Like I feel like everything's the same. Like health-wise, you're exactly the same size. You haven't I gotten good. any bigger. Just yeah. going straight through. That's a, that, that got me thing. most likely to become famous, though, in high school. That was my superlative. Oh, no doubt. You've, you've hit a home I mean, run You there. were on MTV in high school. Yeah, I was, you do want to talk about were chicks. You, were yeah. you, was this an all-boys Catholic school? Absolutely not. I would never. Okay. <laughs> so how did this help your street cred in your high school when you came back? Sup, baby? I'm on TV. What's well, good? You know, and then they were yeah, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> who else is like hey. you know? Were do you were you on MTV as a sophomore in high school? Hey, <laughs> uh, Celeste, I think my rerun of my episode of Becoming <laughs> is airing tonight at 1 a.m. Should we stay up and watch it after we watch Titanic yeah. for the 15th time? <laughs> then we can watch me on MTV. Air right before Undressed. Is that the line? <laughs> uh, undressed. This is TRL area too. This is the last. I'm pretty sure I destroyed. MTV after this. Yeah, Jersey Shore came on like the next season yeah. after this. And then it was all downhill. They were like, we got guns up there, dressed as a Blink-182 <laughs> remake. We're done. I think they went straight from uh, this show to Laguna Beach. This was the same producers. <laughs> oh, I, I love Laguna Beach. Yeah. Don't oh. you mess, don't mess with Laguna Beach. Or the, or the Hills. Or the Hills was the follow-up. Yeah, Hills was the follow-up. I watched Laguna Beach. I've seen episodes of the Hills, but Laguna Beach, was that was my jam. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Did you watch any of those guns? Big big LC fan. I was Team LC rather Same. than Chris and Cavalieri for LC Laguna and Beach. Low. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this, we were discussing this earlier. The, the Swifties and, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he wanted to give a friendship bracelet to her with his number on it. Right. And she doesn't speak before or after the shows, to to for voice rest. So he didn't get the invite, and uh, no one did. But he took it, you know, personally. He said, "I'm, yeah. I'm taking that personally." Um, you uh, you saw the story about her breaking the sound record in Seattle. So the 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 current the previous record was the Beast Mode touchdown in 2011 by Marshawn Lynch. Yes. Yep. They called the Beast Quake. Yes. And yep. it was it, that's the loudest it's been until when? Until this past uh, this past weekend earlier. So not obviously today's Friday. So last weekend, two shows Taylor Swift. Measure, measured on the the, uh, the seismic, the Richter scale, 3.2. <laughs> Taylor Swift, the psycho, lunatic, crazed-ass Swifties, set an earthquake in the city of Seattle. Now, unfortunately, it didn't wipe out downtown Seattle. Everyone okay. But, like, I mean, like, they need to redo Seattle, let's be honest. But just because of the filth, the crime, everything, you all know what I'm saying out there. But 3.2 on the Richter scale. These lunatics Insane. went. 
How do you, like, what do you do? That is wild. All from Swifties. And the same seismologist that figured out this one also was around for Marshawn Lynch, like you said, in 2011. Now, that's when he scored the touchdown. Of course, it was a wild card game against the Saints. Uh, crowd went absolutely nuts because it was a wild play. And they always say that Seattle, you know, that stadium is going to be loud anyway. It's they always built like, for that. Yeah, do, do they pump in crowd noise, all that stuff? A lot of times it was real. And people were like, oh, it's got to be fake. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, they were like, there's no way this could be that it loud. It was so loud, yeah. it was too loud. Yeah. It sounded fake. If yeah. we could get 70,000 15-year-old guns <laughs> to attend a Blink-182 concert <laughs> in that stadium in Seattle. To the boot. To the boot. I, I really think the whole place, the cacophony of sound, would just crater the entire stadium. <laughs> Taylor's it would got fold nothing. up on itself. If we could get just just clone 15-year-old you Taylor's got at a Blink-182 yeah. show, it would be Unbelievable, the sound. You know what? I, I linked to an article uh, in, in my post. In, in my, I linked to another car article in my article about the Taylor Swift thing. And there was a story. You want to talk about hell on earth. There was a delayed plane with a bunch of Swifties on it. And they started all singing Taylor Swift out loud for a long time. Mm. And I, I'm like, oh, that could be annoying. After knowing that they set a freaking earthquake record for the city of Seattle that they measured, that, my friends, is hell on earth. And it's not even the, the songs. That's the bad part about thinking about that. It is the high-pitched... Oh. Screams. Off-pitch way yeah. in which they're singing the songs. There's always somebody Cry. out there that Fly, thinks they that, can that sing. That bothers yeah. me. A lot, like, it's not, a lot of people think they can sing. Her songs are yeah. good. They're good pop songs. You know, she's made a lot of good pop music. But hearing that many, the octaves at that level oh, of the screaming, <laughs> teeny bopper girls <laughs> screaming those songs is just, <laughs> it curdles my blood. Not an airplane. Think about yeah, it. Right? Like, oh. it's Chad's like, going to have to sing along soon for the car. It's, it's getting close to that era. Unbelievable. Oh, I was, I was singing along. I, I only play 80s and 90s music for my kids in the car, and I make them try to guess the words to it. We were singing Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. Oh, let's go. Last week in the car. I'm, gosh, I should have brought a video of it. But I'm singing it, and I'm lip singing it, and I know all the words, and I will flash back to my kids trying to guess the words to it. And my four-year-old just, like, is constantly just doing this. <laughs> she's into it. Well, she's just doing this without doing And then my eight-year-old, Evie, is trying to actually <laughs> guess the words. So once she gets the chorus once or twice, she's got it. When it gets to the chorus, but outside of that, her trying to figure out the words uh, 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 uh. to '90s music. <laughs> good, good luck with Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any 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 veteran even knows his own music. No, and then you know, uh, 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 Snoop Dogg song came on from the Doggy Style album, and I decided to turn it. I'm like, no, we don't need to learn these no, words. It's okay. Evie, like, how saying. do you know the song? Yeah. Hey, Evie, uh, <laughs> you're this way is too a, accurate. It's a great tune by the name of Lottie Dottie. Let's <laughs> let's see if we can lip sync this together. Yeah, it's great. I'll send the video to our uh, to our crew here so we go. can play it. Guns, final minute here. Uh, why is uh, why is Musk rebranding Twitter no to idea. X? No idea. What, what's the value? It's in almost X? like he's deliberately sabotaging his company. I, I've argued both ways. I'm like, part of me thinks he wants it to fail so that way, like, I, there's like some sort of financial bailout or something. There's no reason for him to keep doing this. Nobody asked for X. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, go X me. Like, what? What are you talking about? Nobody's going to use that language. And it's, it's, it's beyond frustrating because here I am. Like, you know, I was one of the people that was like, oh, he's going to push free speech, blah, 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 blah. But he keeps doing so many stupid mistakes. Does, after he, think, does he think that Zuckerberg's gonna, going to get this first or something? Again, like I, 
Well, the, 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 what's, what's interesting about everything else, so Elon's made so many mistakes. He's fired half his IT crew. You cannot, there's no PR department. You cannot get a response from Twitter. We've tried for multiple things. When you email them, they send you a poop emoji. I kid you not. They sent us poop emojis for comments. That's what he does. The point is, get this, Zuckerberg it's, it's really weird. already has the copyright and trademark and brand rights for X. So get ready for a lawsuit. Nobody even Googled. You think you would have Googled that beforehand, Poop emoji, Elon. though, in response is better than shadow uh, banning. Shadow banning. Yeah. Unreal. Good to see you. Look 182. Once you know. Dodger the man. On a Friday. Hot Mike rolls on next. Headed into the weekend. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, we discussed last week when all the running back commotion was happening. Saquon at that Saquon Barkley at that point had not signed a one-year, eleven million dollar contract in a, a restructured version of the franchise tag. Josh Jacobs was threatening to hold out. Now he he is. And uh, Tony Pollard has signed his franchise tag, and he's happy to do so as now the bell cow uh, in, in Dallas. Uh, Melvin Gordon was on uh, the Kay Adams podcast with FanDuel. Uh, Up and Adams is the name of the podcast. And uh, had this to say about the position itself, and if he could go back and change positions, what he would do. Would you have if you would you have changed positions like if we, if you could have done it again? No, right? Hell yeah! Stop. What position? Could, well, don't downplay your career and what you did in this. Oh, I'm not gonna downplay it, but I, I definitely would. I definitely would switch my positions for sure. To what? For sure. Uh, I probably go like um, probably play corner or safety. But then you got to yeah. run backwards, Melvin. That's not fun for anybody. No, nah, it is definitely one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest position on the field. But, you know, they get paid good. They take less hits. You know, they don't really, you know, worry about too much. They're not having conversations about not getting paid enough if you're a good enough player. And I think you just get to live out your dream a little bit longer. I think uh, our shelf life is, because of how they look at us, it's shortened. So, you know, their dream get to last longer. So it's bigger than the money, too. It's just your opportunity to play a lot longer. You just have an opportunity to play a lot longer and live out your dream a little longer than backs do. So, I was posing the question to Jim Nagy at SEC Media Days when he joined us, uh, who runs the, uh, the Senior Bowl. Are we going to see less players want to play running back, you know, in the next generation of players years from now? And maybe so based on the structure here because running back was the star position other than quarterback and now it's flipped where wide receiver is next in line outside of a solid offensive tackle for an offense that is built around the, the quarterback well it, it doesn't surprise me i mean if you, if you can go back in time now get in the time machine and say where would i rather play and could i extend my career by three to five years and make more money and not receive the same abuse, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go back and play that position in hindsight. But Jim Nagy's right in that there's always going to be a need for running backs and that body type and players that want to touch the football and want to play that position. So it's not like it's going to completely go away, but I completely get it if a player comes back and says, yeah, I would change positions. I mean, given what we know now, 
Why wouldn't you? If you're yeah. Melvin Gordon or well, anyone else. It's the top shelf at the position that would say that. The By and large, there's so many running backs that are looking for their opportunity. Tony Pollard is one of them, by the way. Uh, when he's saying he's happy to play on the $10.1 million, and more power to him there. He's coming off of an injury where he broke his ankle in the divisional round of the playoffs, and he was on a four-year contract that was worth like $3.5 million. That's good money, but that's not top-tier money. And just for comparison, Josh Jacobs was on a four-year $11 or $12 million contract, and Saquon Barkley was getting paid well more than that on that for being the, the number two overall pick. I think it's in relation to what you're currently getting paid and your expectation for the next deal. And Pollard's $10 million. I mean, he's, he's doing great this year for what he's been paid leading up to all of this. Now he's got the chance to be the guy. But what does that mean? It means next year he'll be disgruntled, not now, because he'll be tagged again at around $13 million instead of the ten. But it's not what we would have seen or what Saquon Barkley received for his rookie contract in total. And Melvin Gordon's, you know, at one point coming out of college and early part of his career was that. Now he's in Baltimore for a year. Um, but point being, uh, he's getting... Uh, he, he gets a deal for a year that's like $3.1 million. That's what Gordon signed for. That's good, based on what I saw him do in Denver, which is put the ball on the turf. Fumbled a lot, where they didn't even want to play him. Not bad. Can I talk about Oppenheimer? Yeah, I want to get to this, because you saw this last night, and Oppenheimer, you described it as uh, very historical, I haven't said anything to you about no, it. Yes, you, yesterday, I, I, yesterday, I saved it. Yesterday, you described it as historical, and as far as the, the movies go, uh, the the two hours or so that it starts with is oh yeah, perfect. Listen to a podcast about it that they describe it as two hours in. I thought this is the greatest Christopher Nolan film ever. Okay, yeah, th right. And the the so last th hour is very divisive. It, Okay. Amongst viewers. Did you feel that or did you were you thinking about it because you had listened to the podcast? Well, it helped to have that knowledge going into it, having listened to the podcast. Here's how I would describe Oppenheimer. Very, very loud. Distractingly loud. I'm not yet an old man, and I understand that Christopher Nolan's love language is sound design, and that's a big part of every film he does. But I'm not talking about the bomb being loud. I'm talking about the music, the score underneath everything being so loud mm. in the theater. It's hard to hear dialogue at times. You have to really focus in to hear dialogue. The music is great. The score is brilliant. It perfectly sets the tone for the film. I'm not complaining about that. But I was with a couple people that it didn't bother me as much, probably because I have a job where I have these on every day and sound doesn't bother me as much, but other people in the theater were, they were covering their ears when the countdown was coming to the Trinity test, the one in New Mexico before they dropped the bombs on Japan. I saw multiple people in the theater covering their ears in anticipation for what was about to happen based on how loud everything else was in the movie. Uh, and I don't want to spoil what happens yeah. when that goes down, but they didn't have to worry about it. Let's just say that. That part of the sound. Um, I thought the first 45 minutes was a tad bit confusing 
because it's not something that gives you a cry on of 1928, 1945, 19 doesn't tell you what time you're in at any point. Some of it's in black and white, and that's the time in the future based on where the movie starts. So there's a 1954 timeline, a 1947, a 1920s, a 1942, when they're building the bomb up until they, they get it done. Spoiler alert um, <laughs> for those that don't know history. I learned so much about this guy. I went home and I saw a story from the New York Times that cited a documentary on the Criterion channel that you can get for free. You don't have to subscribe. It's a 1981 documentary for called... For the Pac-12 place. <laughs> yes. I, in fact, yes. George Klavikov. Now negotiating with Centurion Channel after doing this. It's an app you can get on a smart TV. There's a 1981 documentary called, I think, Three Days After Trinity or Three Days from Trinity. And it's, about, it's all about Robert, J. Robert Oppenheimer. And it's awesome. I watched the whole thing when I got home about him because I'm so fascinated with this character. Such a key, pivotal guy in United States, not U.S. history, world. world history, that none of us really knew much about until this movie. Very good, very well done. The middle hour and 45 minutes would have been one of the greatest movies ever. The fact it's three hours. It's long. It's the hour and 15 minutes around it you have to get through. Now, the beginning and the build-up to it certainly helps explain a lot of what takes place in the last hour. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But a lot of the trial but you're, you're telling witnessing, you're telling the audience to go see it. Absolutely or no? Unequivocally. Go see it in the I, theater. I can't wait to see it. Because it's important. Well, I, here's what's important though, Hudden. In this right now, here's why this is important. I don't care to see Barbie. But to me, Barbie is also important. Why? These are two movies that are blockbusters that don't feature a damn superhero. Because superhero yes. movies suck, and they have for a while, and they're not original. And they're a part of this big machine that continues to churn out, I'm not going to say the word I want to, but crap. That's all it does. We are out of original thoughts. This is a historical biopic by one of the best filmmakers of our generation. Go watch it. I'm thrilled it made $85 million the first weekend. I hope it makes a lot more. I hope this spurns, to steal a line from Oppenheimer, a chain reaction of original thought and good movies again. Barbie the same way. I have no interest in Barbie, but Barbie is at least Greta Gerwig, a renowned female filmmaker, telling her story of Barbie in an original way that's true to her and different than anything else that's out there. I applaud the effort. Well, I applaud people actually giving it their all and doing something new and different. Well, and I mean, you've got Scorsese coming out with the movie that he's, he's owned the script and rights for for over a decade and Killers of the Flower Moon. That'll be out in a couple of months from now uh, with uh, DiCaprio and others. But that's, I want more of that than what, exactly what your, your point is, uh, the, the same stuff over and over and over again. But they're playing the hits because people go and actually watch that yeah. as opposed to... I. Whatever Netflix and and others are, they have contractually based on actors or a, a series of films that they're going to produce instead of releasing it in a theater. Well, look, I can watch Mission Impossible, all of them, and it's entertaining. I'd say go watch that too. Yeah. 
But Mission Impossible is, you know, pretty formulaic at this point of how they're going to yeah, structure you, you the movies. You know what you're getting, yeah. It's but like they Bond. go for it. Like I, it, Tom Cruise, respect the hell out of him because he always goes for it. He's trying to purely entertain people. It's not thought-provoking. And that's what it's should not, be. It's, I'm yes. Top Gun Maverick, great example. I'm here for the thrills and to purely entertain the masses. I'm not picking a side. This is not a Republican yeah. or Democrat movie. This is, this is for the world, is what Tom Cruise is saying. I respect that, and the dude gives his all in everything he does. So I'll go see Tom Cruise movies. That was really well done. Oppenheimer, to me, is one of those that is important if you want to know about history, where we were, where we are now, where we could be. It's both historical and a cautionary tale. It's really well done, and Christopher Nolan is brilliant. I, I watch anything that he does. I mean, it's, it's not unlike I the agree. Batman movies. The no. Batman movies get loud with the score in the background also. It's similar to that, but there were parts that were distractingly loud. Well, it's important because I, I know Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb. I don't know the man, right? Yeah. And I hope, I, I, I'm assuming it's very historical. Based um, ba- and, and accurately, it's very based on the documentary I watched accurately. after Hutton. It's extremely accurate. Yeah, that's exactly the what people I'm portrayed for. in the movie. Also, my perception of him is going to be formed off of this film. Two huge takeaways from the movie: one, Casey Affleck crushed it. I don't think people even know he's in it—a very small part—but he steals the movie in the five minutes he's in it. Really well done. Everyone is great. Downey's great. Matt Damon is awesome as the real-life General Groves in it. Everyone, uh, Rami Malek does yeah. a great job in a very small part. I mean, every big male actor in Hollywood was in this thing. Um, Oppenheimer, you will learn, Hutton, which I did not know. Quite the womanizer. Huge ladies' man. No idea. You find that out I don't quickly. Know. I, I don't you know find that out quickly in this movie. About the guy. He had a lot of, uh, let's just say, entanglements throughout his life that became very public later in life. I mean, if you know Oppenheimer, do you know Robert? You know, you see what I'm saying? He was... You just know him by the last name. You'll love it. Oh, I, I, I don't want to yeah. say anything else because this is one you should watch you go see it again in him? the theater. I, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go see Mission Impossible again so my dad can watch it. Next week, we're going to see... We're going to catch a matinee together to, to see Mission Impossible again. Uh, Kevin Durant's taking credit. More power to him for uh, getting the NBA to change their their marijuana policy. There's not even testing for it. The NFL tests for it. They don't penalize you for it, which is odd. But in the new CBA with the the, the NBA players, uh, uh, Kevin Durant was saying, yeah, I walked into Silver's office and wanted to discuss getting rid of this because all the players are doing it. And he said he could smell he could smell me coming in. He knew exactly what, what the topic was going to be. And then he said, uh, Chad, he said he's a big fan of the plant when asked why he's so into it investment. May, may you all be big fans of plants big, this weekend. Yeah. Have enjoy a great it. weekend. However you enjoy Monday. things, enjoy your weekend. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow, 3 o'clock Eastern Monday.